When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I was recently suggested the topic of, of comparing and contrasting uh, currency versus money, and more accurately, real money versus fiat currency. To, to the layperson, these are interchangeable terms. I'm sure at some point I, I felt that they were interchangeable terms as well. However, I want to make a distinction between currency and money and, and, and why one is so much better than the other. So this is just going to be sort of an educational podcast, maybe a refresher for some of you. For others, this is going to be the first time you're hearing this. So so sit, sit tight, uh, put your legs up, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I don't know how long this is going to take. But, but I want to delve into this topic. You know, this is a topic that I was... Uh, I guess informed of of fairly early on in in my days of starting this podcast, we're we're talking over three years ago now. Believe it or not, I understood the qualities of a good money, a uh, good type of money, and and why fiat currency was was bad at the time. However, I cannot tell you how many times early on there was some uh, crotchety old man. Uh, I, that's just how I'm imagining these people. Um, almost getting borderline angry whenever I would say in a podcast money when I'm talking about uh, fiat, when I'm talking about dollars, right? They're saying stop, use that term money, only use fiat. And, and I think they've loosened up over the years. I understand the difference. I think most of you guys know I understand the difference between fiat and money. And I'm not going to use fiat every single time I'm talking about dollars. But it is a it is an argument it is a, a distinction that I'm, I'm very familiar with uh, at this point. And, and I think it is important, even though it, it, it can be kind of overly critical, it can be kind of nagging if somebody's always getting upset with you because you don't use the term fiat every time you talk about dollars. It is important to, to be very cognizant of the distinction between money and, and just what we have right now, just currency. So... I think a good place to start off would just be a definition of these two. And, and there's, I'm sure, many different academic definitions, many different economic definitions of money versus currency. Uh, but, but you guys are, are more or less lay people just like I am, right? I'm not, I'm not an uh, academic. I, I hold no degrees or licenses in any of this. So why don't we just start off with Investopedia, which is a not perfect website, um, but but does have a slant towards things like precious metals and, and some of the things that you and I buy into. And, uh, well, we'll just go off of their definitions for the time being. So we'll start off with money, according to Investopedia. Money is an economic unit that functions as a generally recognized medium of exchange for transactional purposes in an economy. Money provides the service of reducing transaction cost, namely the double coincidence of wants. Money originates in the form of a commodity, having a physical property be a, to be adopted by market, market participants as a medium of exchange. Money can be market-determined, officially issued legal tender, or fiat monies. Money substitutes in fiduciary media and electronic cryptocurrencies. So 
I would tend to agree that yes, we we can treat the dollar as money. It's it's not what we'd consider real money, but for all intents and purposes, it is money. It's an economic unit that functions as a generally recognized medium of exchange for transactional purposes in an economy. Is it perfect? No, it's deeply flawed. It does not have many of the key features of good money. But nonetheless, we, we can call it money even if it's not real money or even if it's not good money. So let's move to the definition of currency. Currency definition, again, according to Investopedia, currency is a medium of exchange for goods and services. In short, it's money in the form of paper or coins, usually issued by a government and generally accepted at its face value as a method of payment. Well, Matt, it kind of sounds like currency and money are the same thing. And yet, I want to make a distinction here. Yes, if if you look at uh, on its face, currency and money can be very similar things. But the distinction that I want to make today is what we today treat as currency and that what us silver and gold stackers treat as real money, i.e. precious metals. And so let's move on here uh, into a, uh, I think, a pretty good article here. This is from economicsdiscussion.net. Uh, shared by Ajay Singh, okay? Top eight qualities of an ideal money material. So now we're talking about not just what is or what isn't currency or, or money. We're talking about the ideal qualities of said money or currency. And and as you'll see here, it it's, it's leads us to the conclusion of precious metals as kind of being the ideal money, at least in today's today's time, today's reality, right? It is hard to beat precious metals. So we'll start off with number one on this list of, of good qualities of, of good money. General acceptability, meaning people know what it is and they'll accept it in exchanges. As of right now, it's not the case for silver and gold. People know what it is, but they generally won't accept it. They will accept dollars over it. But that's simply because, well, dollars are legal tender, Right. Uh, euro or yen or the Australian dollar, Canadian dollar, yuan, pound, whatever. That's legal tender. It's what the government basically says you have to use. Don't have to use, but but you have to. Um, in, in many, uh, according to many jurisdictions, you basically have to accept it as payment. Doesn't mean you can't barter. Doesn't mean you can't use silver and gold. But it's the legal tender. So as of right now, silver and gold are not quite meeting that. But but it's largely because of of legislation, because of of fact that our population is grown so accustomed to to fiat currency number two on this list portability uh, ideally a money um, a, a commodity or an uh, some sort of a physical form of money should be portable which is absolutely the case for silver and gold more so for gold as as of right now the ratio between silver and gold is something like 85 ounces of silver roughly to one ounce of gold uh, meaning it's very portable, portable um, store of, of wealth, whether we're talking about a couple thousand dollars in today's terms or even a couple million, right? Fairly easy to transport. And, and this is where we find some distinctions between silver, gold, and, and a whole bunch of other potential candidates for money, including um, other metals, uh, non-precious metals, non-rare metals, such as aluminum or, or zinc or copper, right, which are 
not nearly as portable because they're worth far less. Same thing goes for something like crude oil or cattle or grain. Those things are not portable. They're not portable stores of wealth. You can load them up in your vehicle, but but good luck going to the store and, and trading a barrel of crude oil for, I don't know, a, a couple gallons of gas, 10 gallons of gas or something like that. It, it doesn't work that way. Number three in this list, indestructibility or durability. It, uh, it needs to um, basically be durable. It needs to uh, not fall apart, right? Which again, removes some of those other ones from, from consideration, um, such as many grains or, or cattle or, or something else that is maybe a very valuable, uh, a hot commodity, a widely traded commodity, but, but is neither portable nor durable. Silver and gold do meet that criteria. Uh, dollars do not. Dollars do not. Dollars can be created. They can be destroyed by the Federal Reserve or by other central banks for, for whatever fiat currency we're talking about. Um, they, they are created every time you, you take out a loan, right? And they're destroyed every time you pay back that loan. They're created every time the Fed decides to to intervene in the, the money markets or, or repo markets or, or buy some some bonds and it can be destroyed whenever they on the rare occasion decide to to get rid of some of those assets right um, so so indestructibility and durability doesn't apply to the dollar but it does to silver and gold we're still finding gold and silver coins today from the time of the Roman Empire and before that number four in this list homogeneity so this is basically a term for for they're all the same. Yes, there's there's different types of silver coins, different types of so, silver and gold bars and coins and and whatnot. But this is basically distinguishing silver and gold from many other assets, which are very different. I mean, the silver in an American silver eagle is basically the same as a Canadian maple leaf, although a maple leaf is slightly more pure, right? But but it's still just one ounce of silver. Whereas if we're talking about cattle, there's such things as, as good cattle and bad cattle and different breeds. Even even crude oil, right? There's many different grades of crude oil rated on their um, level of sulfur content and 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 uh, other criteria that, that people look at. And, and it determines the value of, of said crude oil. Not all crude oil is pr- priced at the same price, right? Um, and another reason why, yes, crude oil, it, it'd be a step in the right direction if uh, some country decided to back their currency with it, but it's it's not ideal. Homogeneity is important, and it is also a, a quality that is currently in place for dollars as well, but that's just because they're just sort of just a standardized unit, uh, standardized fiat currency. Number five, divisibility, something you can easily divide. Uh, so for the case of cattle, unless we're talking about butchered cattle, you can't do that with them. Uh, they 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 obviously wouldn't last. Um, you can for a lot of other commodities, though a lot of other metals, uh, grains, oil, and you can do it for the dollar and of course precious metals. But but nonetheless, it is important um, divisibility, uh, and it's also why we don't use other assets like jewels, diamonds. Cut a diamond in half, and, and you kind of ruin the the value of the diamond, uh, a good chunk of that value. Same thing goes if we if we all used Rembrandts as as currency. Uh, they just lose their value to divide them up. Number six, uh, malleability. Uh, quote, the money sh- material should be capable of being melted, beaten, and given convenient shapes. 
It should be neither too hard nor too soft. If the former, it cannot be easily coined if it's, it's too hard. If the latter, it would not last long if it's too soft. It should also possess the attribute of impressionability so it may be easily, uh, so it may easily receive the impression. So basically, uh, a metal in the term malleability because oxen, oil, fiat currency are, are generally not malleable. Um, they, they need to be of a, a good material for, for coining, for minting, because that is important that, that countries can place their mark on, on said coins to avoid counterfeits, right? Um, nobody cares if you, if you counterfeit a silver coin with another silver coin. It's still silver, but it's, it's pretty easy to, to game the system and counterfeit it with, with a non-silver coin, a silver-plated uh, coin, and, and all of a sudden you, you have a counterfeit. Cognizability. Cognizability. That's a funny word, but basically it's number seven on the list uh, that can be easily recognized and distinguished from other substances. Again, this is even today the case for silver and gold. Yeah, there's there's fool's gold and there's other white metals out there like silver and whatnot, but, but people generally know what silver and gold are and uh, it fits that, fits that um, quality. And then finally, number eight, and this is one of the key distinctions between fiat and money, real money, silver and gold, stability of value. Money should not be subject to fluctuations in value. This is a quote. Fluctuating standard of value is just like a changing yard or kilogram. The value of a material, which is used to measure the value of all the other materials, must be stable. Therefore, the ideal money commodity should, as such, possess utility, portability, durability, homogeneity, divisibility, malleability, cognizability, and stability of value. Wow. Okay, so really a great article summing up. And I figured I'd break these down piece by piece for you because these are often things that are, are repeated over and over again. This is, But this is why it's so important. And so... That last one I think is really key because I'll tell you what I found another I found another article uh, elsewhere. This one from Econ Leaks, okay, shared by some user Hema Wad over there, and 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 they add to this list, okay. And so you tell me what what they added to this list, and and we'll we'll go through that uh, of qualities of good money: acceptability, durability, portability, scarcity, divisibility. Cog- cognizability, malleability, homogeneity and uniformity, elasticity, stability of value, storability, economical, effective supervision, government support. Oh, wow, that's that's 14 there. And some of them I would agree with are still good qualities of money that weren't listed beforehand. Scarcity, although scarcity is sort of implicit in the stability of value for silver and gold. But yes, scarcity does help. It is not the case for the dollar, though or for most fiat currencies around the world. Uh, But there's some other ones that they added in there as well. Um, How about this one? Elasticity. Doesn't mean that it can stretch. Doesn't mean that you can stretch a dollar bill or stretch a gold coin. What they mean is that the money supply is elastic. We're talking central banking here at this point. That it can expand and shrink as needed. Paper money or fiat currency possesses a quality of elasticity which on the surface sounds like, oh, it's not that bad of an idea. You could have a central entity control the supply of money somewhat 
and and in in turn basically control the economy slightly to make booms not as bad or sorry make busts not as bad and 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 help booms last longer but that can be so easily abused when people decide that we don't want any busts at all and we want the boom to last forever which ultimately leads to a massive bust because they they let the boom last for too long and they extended it through artificial means including um, playing around with the elasticity of the money supply uh, the other ones I listed, listed, economical. This one is this one makes sense as well, and it sort of goes along the line of portability. Um, something that works well in terms of economic terms. Now, I mean, when, when we're talking about gold versus fiat or dollar bills, there's nothing wrong with backing a currency with gold or silver as long as there's a lot of implicit trust in that uh, in that backing, right? That you can easily exchange your dollars for silver and gold and vice versa. Nothing wrong with that. And so that sort of ruins the argument against silver and gold as not being good for for trade, not being good for commerce. Because, yeah, you're right. Nobody wants to carry around a ton of, well, maybe some of you guys do, carry around a ton of gold and silver coins and bars for for their trip to Walmart, right? Just like countries don't want to exchange um, uh, a whole ton of gold uh, when when one, say, Chinese company imports a bunch of goods into the United States and then they have to transport that ton back. No, there's nothing wrong with using a backed currency. It's not perfect, right? There's there's a level of trust there. But as long as you can exchange it easily, um, it's better than, than nothing. Um, and then the other ones that they added, though, effective supervision one that can be effectively supervised by central monetary authority, and government support. The good money material must be supported by the government. These two are totally bogus. They, they inserted those uh, almost like after the fact, and they kind of stick out like a sore thumb, do they not? For thousands of years, we had money that was um, maybe somewhat uh, um, supported by the government, but not did not have effective supervision of... Uh, by by central monetary authority, more or less, uh, the the only um, supervision, the only government support was minting the coins, which is fine. Sure, that's understandable. I mean, that was that was the case before we were taken off of the gold standard. That was the case for the ninety percent silver that many of you guys own. That was the case for the the silver coins of the Roman Empire, right? Uh, that that they they were minted, right? Oftentimes with an emperor's face or with a president's face. Um, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's implicit in this article and these statements is that there has to be a central bank that's controlling all of this. And and that's where I think it goes awry because central banks again manipulate these uh, manipulate money basically because they have the incredible power of a printing press. Printing press is, for all intents and purposes, uh, worthless in the world of a gold and silver-backed currency. Unless a government decides to to try and screw up that whole trust system and and fraudulently print more money than than they actually have gold and silver to, to back it with, right? That's always a possibility. Uh, but, but when you have effective supervision, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it, people did not, back when we had silver and gold coins in circulation, people did not give them value. They did not say that they, that gold and silver had value because it was minted by the U.S. government or by the Roman Empire. No, the the minting was basically because it it 
gave it a sense of, of uh, legitimacy. It, it, it helped solidify in, in the minds of everyday Americans or everyday Romans that this is real silver, this is real gold. Because if you do a good job of minting it, um, it, 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 it helps them to know that it's real silver and real gold, right? Rather than everybody just kind of trading with whatever random generic silver bars and coins that they happen to have lying around the house, right? But people knew that it didn't have value simply because it had an emperor or a president's face on it. They knew that silver and gold were valuable regardless. So is that government support and supervision necessary? Well, it can help to, to if you want, make it easier. If you have a gold-backed currency, yeah, I mean, a government-backed uh, or a government-run gold-backed currency makes it easier versus just some random company running it. Right, a, uh, a gold or silver coin that's that's minted by a government gives it a sense of of legitimacy. You know, it's the real thing. Although you know, counterfeit technology is always improving, but but you can have some confidence in that, right? But what's implicit in this article is that a central bank, through um, through uh, the, the power of elasticity and whatnot, can can adjust the monetary supply that they can supervise uh, the 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 overall currency and and decide when the currency supply should be increased or decreased, right? And that's really the crux of this. You know, when 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 we ask ourselves what's wrong, if if silver and gold backed currencies are are so great, then why does nobody have one? And I think it's a great question. I think it's a question we all should be asking our representatives. Um, because let, let's be honest, the, the argument that silver and gold are, are outdated is a pretty terrible argument. If that was the case, we wouldn't be seeing China and Russia and, and many other countries around the world hoarding gold. Hey, the United States, according to you know their, their official statistics, hold a massive amount of gold between Fort Knox and, and the New York Fed and whatnot. Huge amounts of gold. The, the IMF has a ton of gold. Tons, tons of gold. So does Germany and the UK. Not Canada. They sold all their gold. But gold is still widely held by governments. And so if gold and silver are outdated, if a gold and silver-backed currency is just doesn't make sense because they're, they're, um, they're assets of, of the yesteryear of of you know, the, the time of, I don't know, World War II or the time of the Roman Empire, pick some time in, in the past, then why do central banks still hoard gold to this day? And so that that's obviously not the answer to that question. Why, why can't we just have a gold and silver-backed currency? You can ask, maybe it's just not possible. And I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. It's certainly possible for a government to create a gold and silver-backed currency. Is it feasible? Yes, it's feasible. Is it going to happen? No. And so again, we're getting closer and closer to that question and maybe the answer of why don't we have a gold and silver-backed currency today? And, and ultimately, I think it comes down to central banks and the power that they would lose 
in the world of a gold and silver-backed currency, as well as the, the, the situation that we're in today in a global scale uh, in terms of debt, in terms of support for the, uh, for the global financial system from central banks, um, in terms of, of uh, basically today's, whether we're talking about the U.S. or China or the Eurozone, uh, it, would it be possible to create a gold and silver-backed currency? I'm not so sure without entirely uh, ripping apart the current fabric of the financial system. Because our current financial system is built on excess, it's built on money printing, it's built on stimulus, and it's built on debt. It's built on debasement of currency. And so could we change that? Yes, but that would be an incredibly um, difficult decision for, I think, the average uh, lawmaker, the average president, prime minister, what have you, to, to make. Because it would involve throwing away everything that we have right now, likely a, a massive crash, and and we'd somehow have to to start again. It'd be a huge risk for for a lot of these currencies, even the dollar, which currently enjoys continues to enjoy global reserve currency status. Um, if we were to trash the current dollar, because that's what we'd ultimately have to do. And, and start a new one backed by gold because what we have right now in circulation would be, I think, difficult to back with, with gold. And we'd probably have to start over. Um, we'd run the risk of, of crashing everything, right? It just wouldn't be popular over the short term. People would be asking, why are you doing this? Academics that, that know everything would say, this is a bad move. What is this president? What is this Fed chairman thinking? This is, this is not the road to stability. And, and over the short term, they're right. Over the long term, there'd be huge benefit to it. But, but to answer the question of if silver and gold currencies are so great, how come we don't have them now? I think the answer is twofold. First of all, it would be extremely painful to ever convert to something like that. Does it mean it's a bad idea? No. Absolutely not. I think it's a great idea. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Opinions vary. But but the other side of that answer is that central banks, which currently wield a, an enormous amount of power, and, and governments, governments and central banks, they, they work together. One In today's world, one cannot exist without the other. The U.S. government today and, and their deaths, especially going forward, would, would not be able to, to maintain um, relatively low interest rates, would not be able to maintain... Uh, today's rate of inflation, whatever that might be, uh, without the Fed watching their backs. Yes, the Fed contributes to that inflation, but I think it'd be much, much higher if they didn't have the Fed in place to to monetize some of that debt and to to help them out over the short term. Obviously, they're damaging everything over the long term. But but governments and central banks have an enormous amount of power because of the printing press. And and this has been the case. Throughout history, this is not a new phenomenon. Uh, the, the Fed has been in existence for about 106, I think coming up in 106 years now. But many central banks existed well before this. And in time and time again, you have this system where a government, regardless of who's in office or who's on the throne, decides that we can, we can print our way out of this mess. We can print our way out of a war. We can print our way out of a economic recession or a depression um, through through a central bank. 
and and by doing so we can skip all of the pain of a recession we can skip all the pain of a war without any of the repercussions but of course we know from history that there are eventually repercussions most notably the devaluation of a currency and so so i mean let's ask ourselves again you know like i said before the us dollar today does have some of those qualities of of good money general acceptability check Portability, check. Indestructibility or durability, um, half check. Homogeneity, check. Divisibility, check. Malleability, um, I mean, it's not a metal, so it doesn't really apply. Cognizability, check. And number eight, stability of value. Does it have stability of value? Uh, I would argue, check, yes. Relative to where we're heading. Obviously, since the U.S. dollar, since the Fed uh, came on the scene 160 years ago. You know, the dollar's lost something like 98% of its value. But it's going to get much, much worse. It's going to get much, much worse before anything ever gets better. And so when you remove that, you know, the repercussions of, of this this government and central bank pairing up to, to try and skip uh, um, the normal kind of cycle of, of the economy, normal normal cycle of, of what happens when you when you overextend your budget, um, ultimately what they're going to lose is that stability of value. That's kind of the, the uh, you know, the, the, the fourth leg on a, a four-legged chair, right? And when you remove that, you quickly see that some of these other ones fall away as well, most notably general acceptability. People will accept it maybe for a while, but over time, people realize that it is not all that it's cracked up to be. That as that stability value uh, uh, collapses at a faster and faster rate, what happens is ultimately inflation. People want to, uh, first of all, you have, have the velocity of money increasing because uh, you not only have the, the supply increasing, which is leading to inflation, um, but, but all of a sudden you have this velocity of money increasing, meaning it's, it's changing hands faster and faster. I mean, think of it this way. When, when you have uh, officially stated 10% inflation, which we're not that far off of right now. It's just not officially stated. Okay, But let's say you're talking about 10% inflation year over year, meaning your $100 that you get today will be worth $90 next Christmas season you're much, much less likely to save that, especially if the interest rate your bank has given you is, is like half a percentage point, right? It's, uh, it's just not worth it at that point. And so you're going to get rid of it. You're going to spend it. You know, the faster you spend it, the less value you lose, and, and that increases the velocity of said money. And so you go out and you spend it at such and such shop, and now it's in their bank account. Maybe it's a shop owner. Maybe it's a company, right? Let's say you go and you, you buy $100 worth of goods on, on the Google Play Store. Now Google, which currently sits on a huge pile of cash, has an extra $100 of cash. But hey, guess what? Google's huge pile of cash, let's say $100 billion, is basically going to be worth $90 billion in, in today's spending power terms a year from now because of this 10% inflation. So what are they going to do with that? They're going to spend it. They're going to go out and buy up some, they're going to make some capital investments. 
maybe hire employees. Maybe they're going to buy um, um, some sort of an asset, uh, whether it be land, production facilities, um, network and equipment, whatever. Or they're just going to buy an entire, you know, smaller company or a couple of companies, right? And and the the velocity of money has has continued to to speed up. Google, which had been sitting on a huge pile of cash, just like Apple and many other companies, has now spent that cash because of their fear of inflation. Guess what's going to happen once it it moves hands to somebody else, right? It will continue to speed up and speed up, right? And so once you pull out that leg of stability of value, which already is not intact. I mean, obviously, the dollar has lost a ton of value over the years. But once that accelerates, you... You, you have sort of a cascading event, series of events that lead to the, the full-blown destruction of that currency. And that's where we're heading. And that's why uh, money, real money, silver and gold, are so much better. They don't have that problem of, of stability of value. Does their value fluctuate? Yeah. And, and their value would fluctuate, in theory, if, if we're talking about... Um, you know, the different supply and demand characteristics of silver and gold. You know, the value of silver, value of gold might drop a little bit from year to year if if uh, there's a ton of mining of, of said metals, right? It might increase in value. You might have more or less deflation if mining slows down as, as the trend has been or if demand uh, picks up, Right. But, but they're never going to lose all of their value. They're never going to have that problem of inflation or, or hyperinflation, right? It's not that hard to, to just keep the growth of the money in the, the, the system steady with, with the growth of the economy or steady with the growth of population, right? Or not at all because there's, not, there's nothing wrong with deflation either, right? It's not like... If you're you're not inflating the monetary supply in 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 line with GDP growth or population growth, that something bad is going to happen because it's not like gold and silver aren't being mined anymore. There's going to be plenty of gold and silver entering the system, just not in the form of of currency. People can still hold silver and gold outside of government minted coins, right? So that's the difference in in this thirty plus minutes here. That's the difference between real money and what people like to call today money maybe with a dollar sign, maybe with a, a euro or a pound sign. Um, not, not a pound sign, but, but the British pound sign. Uh, that's, that's what people like to, to call money, but it ultimately is just currency. Currency can be money, but money is not always currency. Am I saying that right? Currency can be money, but it's not always money. Money is generally currency. And right now what we have is, is this weird, weird situation where what we would consider real money is actually not currency. People don't buy silver, or people don't use silver and gold for currency. Um, but nonetheless, it still holds the values of portability, instructability, durability, homogeneity, divisibility, malleability, cognizability, and stability of value. And the only one that's currently lacking is general acceptability. But that one rises uh, in tandem with the, the fall in stability of value of the current fiat system. So I hope that this has been educational. I hope this has been a good talk for all of you. As always, I'd like to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast. And God bless.